Nougat's like kind of uh, almost like that pillowy texture inside of like uh, a, uh, yeah, and like like a Three Musketeer. Yeah, uh, okay. I was gonna say yeah. Milky Way, but okay. yeah, I think Three Musketeer is probably a better yeah, example. Is, is Milky Way the same, or they have? Uh, they're they're mostly caramel, but I think they do have nougat. Yeah, it's caramel and nougat is all a Milky Way is. Yeah, a Three and Musketeer is just two, the nougat, just though. Nougat. Huh? That's two, don't they? No, um, Milky Way doesn't have nougat. No, they don't. You can eat them. I mean, I don't. <laughs> what about Snickers? Snickers? That's only peanuts, though, right? I peanuts could is eat a, caramel, I could eat nougat, Snickers, but I don't like Snickers. Peanuts. Butterfinger, I think, is my favorite candy bar. Same. Butterfinger? Yeah. yeah they're so what? Good. They're delicious. Have you not I, I can eat, like, what? you have to get, like, a good Butterfinger. butterfinger Sometimes they have, like, really... At the movies, that's the best. <laughs> Sometimes they have, like, garbage, whatever the inside is, and, yeah, like, I don't it's even too know what much. It it's, like, too flaky. It's too soft to get stuck in your teeth. It that, does. That but does if you get like the perfect Butterfinger, that's just like I the perfect like crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery flavor. That one's good. Red vines. That's, that's, that's not that's a candy, not a candy, candy bar. bar. Chocolate it should be. Chocolate colored red vines? That's still not a candy bar. That's just. We're going like best candy bar? Yeah, we're yeah, going to talk about Or those little, the Ghirardelli, the squares, the dark raspberry. That's my favorite. Those are good. Like just basic ass candy bar, probably Snickers. Those are like too much. For me. That's like, that's like a meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate the fact eat, that. Like, how are you supposed to eat the entire ones? Like I kind of get like know. the bites, I but how are you supposed to eat a whole them. ass Snicker bar? It, it's it leaves you satisfied and not wanting to eat for like four hours. <laughs> if you think that's too much, you're gonna really hate the fact that like a Take Five is one of my favorite candy bars. I don't. Yeah, because that's I've everything eaten. in a Snickers plus plus pretzels. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It's very salty, very good. That, yeah. it, it, it's like a good combination of salty and sweet. I'm too, I'm too basic. Like I, I don't like anything in my candy bar essentially, except maybe like one flavor. So you want like just like a plain <laughs> ass Hershey's bar? Yeah, or like you can put like peanut butter or like a fruit filling in it. But like as mm. soon as you put multiple things, I'm usually out. What? So a Hershey's with, uh, with strawberry and peanut butter. Got it. Does a does a Reese's <laughs> count as a candy bar? I don't think. I think that's just candy. No, oh, that's, that's like sold like with candy bars. Mm. Then that's my favorite candy cup. Candy cup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't know. Category. I mean, also I mean, like usually that for me too. Though I ate a lot. I I think you remember. Uh, were you there? I ate like a whole pie version of a Reese's. Oh yeah. How was that? So I'm not as into. I mean, I liked it, but I'm not like as into Reese's now. Reese's, Reese's pieces. I do like. Quite I a bit. think with like that giant cup thing, the peanut butter to. It was Chocolate way too much peanut butter. Was way off. Was the issue, yeah. and it's not like if it was just peanut butter, that'd be fine. But it's the sugar peanut butter yeah. that these like that's too much. First of all, it's Reese's, <laughs> and PCs is not a word. <laughs> I know that because uh, in college, my roommate's girlfriend got very mad at me because I used to say Reese's. I think it's a mid But thing. it's Reese's because there's an apostrophe S because it's Reese's. Mm-hmm. It is Reese's candy And I was like, bar. wow. I never literally thought of that or looked at the label that closely. <laughs> she was like so adamant about telling me. I was like, my bad. Jeez. I, I pronounce most candy wrong, I'm pretty sure anyways. But Yeah, sneakers. sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get attack thief. Attack thief. <laughs> 
see how any of this sounds. Everybody ready? Hi. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome. And welcome. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Last Ones in Podcast. I am your host, Dragletta, joined by Robbie. Hello. And E. Hello. And then once again, uh, we have Dion here. Hey. So yeah, that's this is gonna be fun. This is one that um, I've just been wanting to show D for like a long time. Just like, not even for the podcast, just like show him this movie. And I'm just collateral. I mean, you're here, I guess. <laughs> you just decided to come, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm actually extremely excited about this movie just in general, which is to say the movie we are watching today is Blindspotting, starring David Diggs and Raphael Casal. It is also written by David Diggs and Raphael Casal. This is a project they worked on for about nine years in the scripting process. Um, both of them kind of got famous in their own little areas before this project really went off. And it was kind of thanks to like their fame in other areas why it actually did lift off. Um, but it's kind of like their uh, careers kind of took them different ways, I take it. Yeah, so Raphael Casal, if you're into like the spoken poetry scene a lot, he's huge there. Okay. Like, huge, 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 huge. Um, and then if you like Hamilton, then you'll know <laughs> David Diggs. <laughs> Just that's it. I mean, that's his big thing. That's his big giant claim to fame that like most people know him from. Um, yeah. And I think that both of them do amazing jobs in this. And it's, the whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but we'll get to talking about that movie here more in a little bit. Before we do that, E. Hi. How's life been going? Uh, almost done with my last semester. Nine. How, many, how much time do you have left? Like in life? Like in general? Uh, no, just the semester, <laughs> basically. <laughs> On Earth. The semester has left, Ryan. Uh, what do you want? You want it in like hours, days? Weeks. Uh, weeks. <laughs> How about uh, that? I think three. Wow. What is it, May 1st? Yeah. yeah. Three. Wow. You're real close. I know. It's How's that feel? It's awful. It's scary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Absolutely terrifying. Oh, cool. But, uh, so I got to do the final uh, school-mandated crunch of my game. <laughs> before you start the real crunch yeah life yeah yeah um and then i make a dumb portfolio and it was dumb because it's not related to my game design stuff it's related to the college stuff which is like the free labor classes and the dumb shit like that which again is not what the classes are actually called but that's what they are yeah <laughs> even like i even like asked one of my game design professors like hey can i use it as a reference and she was like sure can you send me the link to the website when you're done i'm like no we 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 make a physical portfolio on word and she's like that's stupid that's yeah. not what mm. you need in this in in the game design well at least that professor <laughs> understands that the thing you're doing is real dumb yeah <laughs> uh yeah i should be i should graduate though that's 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 positive yeah that's yeah. the big part Unless that's i really fucked up that portfolio <laughs> <laughs> you didn't showcase your work enough <laughs> I've just I've had because like I got to talk about one game and then I had to talk about what I did multiple times in multiple parts of that portfolio. I talked about stuff that is not relevant to what I'm gonna do in life. <laughs> it was stupid. Dope. Yeah, but um, <laughs> my game should by the time this comes out be available on itch.io. It Ooh. is called a uh, Honey's Sweet Revenge. Honey's Sweet Revenge. Okay. Is it about a bee? 
No, it's <sighs> about a candy person, which, funnily enough, okay. we are talking about candy. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounded like we were doing a sponsoring spot because of how much we were talking about candy. I'd probably take a candy sponsor. Yeah, I would, take, yeah. I would definitely take a candy sponsor. I mean, there are worse sponsors to take than candy companies. So what it, we determined, it was like, most foods in a VPN, that's the sponsor. Yeah, like that's yeah. who we'll take. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening, you can look that up on itch.io and it should be for one ninety nine, and you can purchase a video game that can help me live. Hooray! <laughs> cool. Yeah. Other than that, that's basically been it. Not time to really do anything. Well, e. Every time I have like half an hour, I'm like, ooh, Binding of Isaac time. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Still working on that I'm DLC. Not, I'm not done with it. Jesus it's Christ. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot going on in my life either, honestly. Uh... <laughs> so Dry has been in the, or stuck in the other world for an entire week. <laughs> Maybe. I've <laughs> uh, been looking at a lot of uh, Nerf guns lately, though. Mm. <laughs> of course. Have, Nerf or nothing. have a big vacation coming up here in about a month's time and uh, planning a big Nerf war. Ooh. So... I now, I, well, okay. You're so gonna first, bust out the Nerf crossbow and just <laughs> there is a Nerf crossbow. I know there's a Nerf crossbow. Yeah, um, but yeah. So been trying to find ways to get Nerf guns to North Carolina in a way that doesn't feel illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying taking you're taking out the idea of strapping them to your legs as you get on the plane. See. I, the original plan was going to be taken on the plane because, like, I had this conversation. Like, man, they're gonna—they know the difference between a Nerf gun and a real gun, right? Like, it's so <laughs> noticeable. And then some dude fucking turned a Nerf gun into a real gun and took it on a plane. Mm. So, can't yeah. even do that now. Ruining Nerf transportation. I feel like you're overestimating the TSA, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got stopped because I had pool chalk. Don't ask why I had pool chalk. I was stupid, but I had pool chalk, and they stopped us. Pool chalk does look like blue cocaine. Also, it could just be like plastic explosive, but why did yeah, you even have, why deck a card? Oh, because to play cards. We like cards. Come yeah, on. what? You did you know you cards? can play stuff with a deck of cards? It's not just like a thing to look at. You can actually play games with it. I just tell people which card they're thinking of. And you're wrong usually, I assume. No, I, I know magic, sir. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, what card am I thinking of? Seven. Shit, you're right. <laughs> Sweet. That's a, it's a number, not a card, but okay. Yeah, he didn't even that's, guess the suit. That's or... the most important, impressive part. I was just thinking of the number seven. seven. <laughs> I think that's like the number that most people think of first, though. It might random be. numbers. I don't know. It probably depends on the person and culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, anyway. But yeah. Um, gotta ship some Nerf guns soon. Yeah. <laughs> just put it in like a cake. And then send it. <laughs> That'd be the least illegal way. Dion. Yes. What, what have you been up to? You haven't been on since, what was it? Thing? No. You no. After that. Um, I don't even, what did we do? Oh, um, the train. Thomas the Tank Engine um, in snow. Train. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Snowman the Piercer Engine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you haven't been on since Snowpiercer, which yeah. is not that long. Not that long. But yeah, how, how have things been going for you? It's same old same. Still working from home. Just doing a lot of art. Basically, that's all I do. Yeah, you, uh, you, uh, I bought a piece of art from you for my sister's birthday because you had based one of your pieces on her. I did. Uh, when she had just blood streaming from her eyes. Yeah, when she did normal stuff. Cool little, cool little makeup. Uh huh. So, yeah, that was cool. 
Yeah, that was a fun one to do. I like doing stuff. I always just, I don't know, that's kind of an artist thing, I guess. You just draw inspiration from random stuff you see. Sure, yeah. And then I was like, I DM'd her one time, and I was like, can I use this picture? (laughs) She was like, go for it. I was like, yes. (laughs) I was was like, that'd be a cool little witch thing to do. So I did that, and then, yeah, basically, it's been playing some games, beat the first Ori. Is that the first Ori? That's the first Ori. The Blind Forest? Yes. That was really cool. Very hard platforming at some points. It is not easy. Yeah. Not a beginner's game. It is not. It's very, yeah, you got to be on your buttons. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I think there's <laughs> like accessibility stuff for beginners, but it's definitely not a game yeah. designed for beginners. I didn't expect it to be that hard because I like a lot of like casual puzzle platform, you know, it's not right. like, too hard. Like you can do it. That one, I definitely had to like do a bunch of parts over at least like 15 20 times because <laughs> some of the parts were so hard i mean that's kind of they give you the ability to save your game at any point mm-hmm. with the thing yeah and that kind of tells you what they're expecting but it was super cool it's i love the art style really fun yeah um, the art style clean. like mm-hmm. is misleading with what that game ends up being. yeah it's, <laughs> that's so true yeah you're like oh look a little cute little ori it's mm-hmm. so fun and 20 minutes later you're like fucking just jump yeah. jump on the fucking wall <laughs> i pressed a twice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's basically it i've just been chilling nice working from home so eventually we'll go back who knows yeah, eventually <laughs> maybe not if i have anything to say about it yeah <laughs> i would love to just stay home honestly at this point it's been like a year so yeah yeah i would love to work from home it's nice i like it you might have some difficulty with it. <laughs> <laughs> Be really hard getting, you know, a four thousand pound CNC machine inside of an apartment, but <laughs> your neighbors might have some issues. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Honey, where's the bed or any of the furniture? <laughs> <laughs> Which something that uh, happened again last night that I found out is um, those machines. Whenever you put them at one hundred percent rapid, and they haven't been ran uh, in at least twelve hours, usually like. Gets my senses up and going because since I work in machining, if you hear like a loud metal grinding, it's metal sound. It's usually a bad sign. Someone's mm-hmm. about to lose an eye. Yeah. That <laughs> or like a machine's about to like break itself apart. Yeah. I feel like that's not like only for machines. I feel like that's just a general <laughs> bad warning sign. Any metal that. on metal you hear, it's probably not <laughs> yeah. good. But what, yeah, what it is is uh, every now and then someone will turn on a machine and just like start running it. Uh, at 100% rapid, which means, like, it's moving as fast as it can to, like, get from point A to point B. Uh-huh. Because, like, it'll move as fast as it can from, like, point A to point B, and then it'll start machine. It'll slow down when it actually starts, like, cutting parts. But, like, whenever it's getting to, or, you know, moving to the point to start cutting a part, and it has, like, none of the, you know, lube has been moving around inside of it or anything like that, it makes a very loud, kind of sound. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound good. And yesterday was a good reminder that, uh, that still scares the crap out of me, even when I have headphones on. Because, <laughs> mm. like, my first initial response is my machine is crashing. Which is bad. Yeah. N- never good. That's one of those reminders I got yesterday. Is your second response, God damn it, what do they do now? <laughs> <laughs> is 100% rapid the recommended setting? Uh, it's what it's normally at, but, okay. like, whenever the machine's already running and, you know, like, the screws that move the machine back and forth, like, whenever all those are, like, nice and lubricated, it doesn't make a big sound. Mm. Like, so once it's already been moving for a while, it's fine. But whenever it's just first starting up and after being shut off for, like, 12 to 24 hours, it it's kind of jarring. Yeah, I usually make that sound when I'm shut off for 12 to 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Deep>. Wake up. <laughs> and then I got to get coffee. <laughs> 
Yeah, to lubricate your inner screw yeah. workings. <laughs> you. <laughs> that's how that's how like human how bodies work, right? I don't like how that came out. <laughs> no, that's how human bodies work. It's anatomy. E. Come on, E. Eighty-five percent lubrication. Yeah. <laughs> that's not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you, it's not technically it's not wrong. Technically wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. So what else has been going on, Robbie? Is that it? We are watching Blind Spotting, which let's get on to that. Um, Dion, you have not seen it. Nope. E. Nada. Robbie. Nope. Woohoo! Ooh. I will say this though, like uh, every single time we said Blind Spotting, like preparing for this episode, I kept on thinking Train Spotting every single time, and I don't know why extremely different films. Yeah, I'm guessing so. There is way less heroin in this. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> but not be a, completely be a taken out. <laughs> There's way less, but not completely taken out, though. So, before I get to the back of the box, let's start with... Uh, let's start with D here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, We've told you a little bit about this, right? Kind of. Just basically Liz told me I have to watch it. And then it was on some streaming thing it was on hbo max for literally two weeks yeah because she was like i was like oh i put it in my list and then i went to watch it one day gone it was not there hbo max has a really good habit of just taking stuff off all the time i was like what happened well the thing is it's usually up for at least a month nope two weeks yeah Yeah, that's like usually but like this is the movie came out in 2018 Mm -hmm. so it's weird that they didn't like get the rights for it to just be on there Hmm. it was really weird so ended up having to buy it obviously Right, it's that, it's that movie. But yeah, I've heard good things from you guys, and uh, she just said it was like my type of movie. I guess I do have a song from I don't know if it's from the actual movie mm-hmm. or just the people, but it's dope. So that's exciting. So, so what <laughs> do you some think, dope music. What do you think happens in the movie then? What's called blind spotting? Yeah, that's a weird title. I don't even know what to think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an oxymoron. You can't spot things if you're blind. I don't know. Maybe they're like chasing some uh, some type of uh, dream or scheme or something, and they're going in blind. So they're just kind of feeling their way through, and just it's kind of how a story of how they accomplish their goals. Okay. Over like a little journey, but they don't really know what's going on. They're just kind of feeling it out. Right. So they're blind spotting. All right. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Oh, we're just going to go in a circle here. Robbie, okay. what do you think? So I know it was a show on NBC, so that means that no. it deals with this detective <laughs> who has tattoos all over her bodies and amnesia, and all these tattoos are leading towards something. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was an NBC show called Blind Spot. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a superhero? <laughs> it's a common phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100% sure. That does seem like a pretty accurate way of looking at it, though, is like kind of blindly going through through trying to like live the dream, if anything, of like whatever that dream may be, whether it's like music or movies or TV or whatever else. And like not sure exactly like where to start or where to go for it. So you just kind of blindly start leading your own way through uh, through a situation to get to your destination. Okay. Okay. E? Hi. All right. So there's this big guy who was adopted by a family and he decides he wants to play football and he's the left tackle. 
That's and, the blind side. <laughs> and Sandra Bullock is his mom. <laughs> and Sandra Bullock is covered in tattoos and has amnesia. Oh, <laughs> it's all connected. I don't, I don't even know. I, I can't even remember the title of this movie ever. Cool, cool. So um, there's two dudes. There's two blokes in it. And they're like, hey, let's go get a pint. That's it. And they both get addicted to heroin. <laughs> okay. They just get drunk. That's why they're blind. <laughs> they too much eventually, they drink some, eventually they drink bad moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going I'm to read the description for this. Uh, we will be watching the Blu-ray of this, by the way. Colin, played by David Diggs, a parolee facing his final three days of probation, needs to stay clear of trouble. Miles, played by Raphael Casal, Colin's hot-tempered best friend can't stay out of it. When Colin witnesses a police shooting, the two men's friendship is tested, sending Colin and Miles on a collision course with each other in this bold and thought-provoking film that bursts with energy, style, and humor. So not what you guys thought. Uh, that didn't even tell me anything. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> how blind-spotting works in that, but we'll find out. It, uh... The cop shoots him in the eye. Oh, <laughs> that might have been a little too much. <laughs> um, so yeah, I will say, I did not hear. I like remember seeing previews about this movie when it first came out. Not everywhere, I would say, but I did see them, and I was really interested in the movie. And it came out, and then nobody talked about it. I felt like, and then it just went away, and I forgot about it until I saw it on HBO Max that one time. I was like, cool, we, we got to watch this. Thankfully, I did because it was only there for two weeks. <laughs> right. It's there for two hours. I hit the perfect time. <laughs> and yeah, just kind of fell in love with this movie, I'm going to be honest with you. It's one of those things that I think could have been made 30 years ago and been just as relevant as it is today, which is more of uh, saying a failing on our society, I would say, in the United States. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll... We'll we'll definitely be talking way more about all of that once we actually watch the movie. If you guys want to watch along with us, you can do so by renting it only. It's not streaming anywhere. Three ninety nine, YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, or Amazon. Or of course, you can find a physical copy and just buy that. You could also invent a time machine to go back to the two weeks that it was airing. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, HBO Max. You could do that. Um, also, uh, runtime is ninety five minutes. It is a, well, that's not that bad. That's a nice. very quick watch, and it is rated R. <sighs> Language throughout, some brutal violence, sexual references, and drug use. There is heroin. There is heroin. <laughs> <laughs> but just a little bit. Just, just a tiny just little, little, little bit. Just a little bit of heroin. Just a dab of it. <laughs> a little dabble. Yeah. So I guess I guess we watch a movie? Probably. We watch a movie. All right. Let's, let's go watch this movie. watching blind spotting which um this one's probably gonna get really emotional i think it's pretty safe to say right well, possibly like, i will very... say this movie is it's very good at like mixing comedy with serious stuff it is it's also it's very heavy subject matter uh, do you want to yeah. give a content warning probably about what? i think normally i would but honestly i think that this is something that just needs to be spoken about like all right if I mean, most things that have a content warning on them is because, like, they need to be talked about, but it's still heavy subject matter. So, 
the the entire subject of the movie is police brutality and senseless murders on this movie specifically is uh against black people uh for murder from police that's the entire subject of this whole movie if i get if it's too much to handle right now yeah uh if you if you need to skip this episode and i totally get it but i also think that it's a subject that is important to talk about yeah uh i guess if you've listened to the brooklyn's finest episode it's probably going to be like that but more yeah yeah um so i guess that, that that's uh that that's your content warning yeah <laughs> also just graphic violence but we'll be describing graphic violence most likely yeah we yeah. will we will but it, it is touchy subjects we're going to be talking about too yeah so but before we really start talking about the movie uh let's start with robbie okay what'd you think i liked it i don't want to say i got nostalgic for it uh, because <laughs> of this movie but uh it's there were a couple of, like key scenes that like reminded me of shit that happened whenever i was growing up like whenever i was in college or whenever i hung out with my shadier group of friends, I guess you could call them <laughs> the B friends. <laughs> the best friends. <laughs> but um, it made me think of, like, basically some people that I knew. Like, uh, one of the main characters, like, I saw him and I was like, yeah, I knew that guy growing up. And um, just, like, some situations that some of those friends put me in. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe they were going for with this movie. Most of the extras that you see in this movie are people that David Diggs and Rafael Casal, uh, David Diggs plays Colin and Rafael Casal plays Miles. They were both born and raised in Oakland. Yeah. So this entire movie to them is a love letter to Oakland and about the area and the gentrification and the violence that happens towards the people there right. because they feel like there's not really been a movie that speaks honestly about that area. Um, and so almost every single extra in the background is just one of their friends or family. Yeah. And people that they were... That they were raised with, basically. Yeah, I mean, that kind of. I mean, it goes back to being straight out Oakland, basically. Yeah, yeah and every every single shot in this was in Oakland. And every single shot. Everything just feels so Bay Area about it. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was awesome. You can really feel how much they care about where they were raised. Yeah, down to every song was a Oakland rapper. Yeah, like, except they... except for the very beginning, which was an opera. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's true. But you don't know. Maybe the violinist was out of yeah. Oakland. Uh, you know, Opera is just like classic rap. You yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is one thing I liked about this movie. It does feel very honest. It feels very real. It felt like there was care put into it. And it felt, it felt real, like I said, in the way that they deal with the humor of it and the serious details of it. Of like, it's kind of, it's funny until it's not. Like whenever shit starts to get real. Yeah. And it it's all portrayed very very well like i thought it was a very well done movie yeah, yeah. without getting into spoilers like that's my take on it mm-hmm. is i rather enjoyed it yeah um let's go over to uh e real quick i want to save d cuz i i have a feeling there's going to be some passion there uh e <laughs> uh i i love this movie quite frankly yeah it's amazing in so many ways it it, it is kind of like nostalgic like i grew up with d for siblings so i can <laughs> kind of i guess very, very yeah if, if you must put a label on you it, must say it. but like i i see a lot of the people i grew up knowing in these characters and it's very like feels very like hometown yeah in a sense like you know these people you know like a lot of these relationships essentially um soundtrack is awesome uh 
rap is one of my favorite genres of music along with like jazz and electronic yeah so i was a bit biased about that and it felt like the way they use rap is such it's so powerful in this movie something i don't always talk about with uh live action movies the cinematography in this movie is outstanding in so many ways yeah this was actually the director's first feature film um he got his start by doing rap videos for David Diggs, because David Diggs is also a rapper. Uh-huh. And like that's where he got his start. And they wanted somebody who would have like a really punchy style for everything. And they just couldn't think of anybody else except for Carlos Lopez Estrada, which they also grew up uh in the Bay Area with him. But, like everybody almost everybody involved with this movie in a creative way that they like put in charge of things are people that they knew from their childhood or like grew up with. Yeah, but it's not it's it's hard to speak about a lot of it without going straight into spoilers but yeah i just i yeah. love this it, i didn't have any real expectation going into this because i had no clue what it was and for me that honestly can elevate how i feel about something like i went expecting nothing and i got an amazing movie yeah out of it it's insane how like i said before how this movie came out and nobody fucking talked about it yeah that's i don't get it interesting yeah maybe, wrong time maybe i feel like if this movie released around this time like last year or so i think it would have resonated a lot more with people yeah i think it was just slightly too early possibly i think coming out mid trump in office probably hurt it a lot yeah uh because there's a lot of people who are real brainwashed and i think are still brainwashed in a lot of ways towards all the bullshit that he was spouting that people just weren't wanting this conversation a lot of the people because i think so much of it was so much of the conversation that was happening about sociopolitical stuff was about the border. And it wasn't really until 2019, 2020, that a lot of the more recent events started really coming to light. And that people, even just this past week, people started being held accountable for the actions. I think that, like I said, this is something that could have been made 30, 40, 50 years ago and been just as relevant as it is now. But I think there's enough people wanting to have the conversation in a constructive way that this is more relevant than ever. Um, Dion, what did you think? I thought this movie was beautiful, honestly. It's, it was super relatable to me. Like, so many of my friends, basically, I saw in this movie. Yeah. Um, just growing up how I did. Uh, it's not like we're growing up in a bad area no. or anything. But just the people I chose to relate myself with were you know, oftentimes involved in not so good things, I guess. Less than stellar <laughs> activities, <laughs> yeah. you could say. But, you know, I love them to death. So, like, I totally felt this main character and his friend um, kind of how you would like. Like a ride or die type of friend, you know. Like, no matter what they did, you know it's wrong. Right. Um, But no matter what they did, you're going to stick by them. So, this movie was super relatable because all my friends basically... I have one friend that's all white and then all the rest of them are some type of ethnic group or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, it's, that's pretty rare, honestly. Um, it is. Yeah. So like, I always hear stories of the oppression that my friends go through. Um, they always share it with us. You know, obviously you're going to vent to your closest friends. So everything about this movie just hit super close to home to, uh, for me. And yeah, the soundtrack, the soundtrack is amazing. Uh, it was shot beautifully. 
all the scenes were awesome. And honestly, I didn't, I couldn't really find a fault watching this. Like it was so enjoyable the whole time for me to watch it. Yeah. Not even just cause it was so close to home, but just cause the movie itself, I thought was even the writing, like when they would bring in some, you know, just like, like you were saying, the hip hop elements, the rap in it, um, he would just start freestyling and stuff. I thought that was super cool. And it always felt like perfectly timed. Like nothing about the movie fell off. There was nothing that felt rushed. The pacing was super good. Yeah, I just I got to sing praises for this movie because I haven't watched a movie that I've enjoyed this much in a long time, honestly. So, yeah, um, that's what I'm going to say for now without getting into spoilers, obviously. (laughs) The movie gets pretty deep. so That's all we're going to say. We're done after (laughs) (laughs) That's all. That's the end of the show, guys. Uh, (laughs) Dry doesn't get his turn. Dry doesn't get to say. um... Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. There's, like you were saying, Dion, there's not a single fault that I can find with it because everything has a purpose to it. Every single line means something. Every single joke means something. Like even the most ridiculous jokes, you feel like there's that like friendship and kinship between these two, between Colin and Miles, and that they just are there for each other because they have to be there for each other. And you feel like these are real people. You never once feel like, oh man, like they're really putting like they're really flexing their acting chops here. Like they always feel so real. Every single yeah. person in this movie yeah, feels never, so it never real. Never felt act like acted out. Yeah, you never could feel the acting. It felt like two friends. Yeah, that's one of the things going in when you hear like directed by them and starring them. Like you're like, oh, okay, they said they are like they wrote a thing. But then you watch this, like, no, these are people. Yeah, that wrote about what's important to them. Yeah, and like it really shows. And they spent the time to to make this exactly what they wanted to make it. It took them nine years mm-hmm. to get this project off the ground finally. And it took a month and a half to shoot and they shot it all in Oakland. Uh, they lost some time for injuries that we'll get into a little later. Um, <laughs> Fun facts. Yeah. I might imagine where the injuries came from. Yeah. And like the whole time you they're just like knowing behind the scenes of like who they brought along with them that they like showed all their friends and their family off in this thing. It just shows how much love they put into every little bit just even the pictures in in a scene in the movie to where there's this guy who has like an art gallery and it's all these pictures of people from oakland that's people they actually know those are friends family uh loved ones rafael casal has two x's in there <laughs> <laughs> so pre-loved ones yeah like it's Your just <laughs> loved and lost ones baby yeah like there's just so much love in every inch of this movie and it never feels fake not a second of this movie feels fake or forced it feels like they took the time and effort to say like how can you do this right yeah and they did and they Nine did years yeah uh i absolutely absolutely love this movie and i, I just need more people to talk about it because it's just incredible i can't even believe that it was so under the radar. Yeah. I mean, because like, I didn't even know, like, I feel like I might have heard of it, but nothing, like, ever came of it coming to theaters or anything. Like, and I feel like if that came out now, like you were saying, yeah, I feel like it would have a huge response. Yeah, it would. It would. Definitely would. It's just baffling how, like, this is going to be an underrated classic in For these sure. coming years. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
So I'm going to give a quick rundown of what this movie is, and I will say when the spoilers are going to happen. Um, and then we're going to talk about things from wherever in the movie that catches our attention we want to talk about. A uh, quick rundown of the movie is David Diggs' character, Colin, um, did something that got him arrested, and he went on probation. And this entire movie takes place over the last three days of his probation period in a halfway house. And him, by the skin of his teeth, trying to stay clean and stay above the line on everything just so he can finally get out of this system that everybody has always assumed that he belongs in. And he works at this moving company with his best friend, Miles. And most of the movie is just them trying to deal with living, with existing, yeah. really. The big focal point of it that happens pretty early on is Colin witnesses a wrongful police shooting. Kid is running away, young adult, I'll say. You find out his age later. Running away, and cop shoots him in the back four times. And Colin witnesses this whole thing, and cops just tell him to leave. And you witness the PTSD that he deals with from seeing this and not knowing how he should be reacting and knowing that like he keeps getting reminded throughout the movie that this could have been him if just one thing were different right whenever he was arrested in the incident that he had just it's constant reminders of things that are so completely out of your control just because of the biases that are already there can fuck your entire life over in ways that they wouldn't do for somebody else um that isn't black to say it plainly yeah um, and I think from there, the rest sort of is spoilers, honestly, yeah. because yeah. all of the big plot points to talk about, because there's, there's a lot of jokes in this movie too. I'm going to say that this movie is earnestly, extremely funny. I don't think I've laughed out loud on purpose of the movie uh, <laughs> as much as I have in a long time since this. Yeah, the jokes were great. Yeah, yeah. And they're always I mean, to be fair, well you had a pretty good laugh whenever we were watching Attack of the Clones, but I don't think that was that wasn't, purposeful. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't on the movie. Didn't want me to have that laugh. Is what I'm saying. Like, I don't. That movie was supposed to be serious. Like, even then, like these jokes don't feel manufactured. Like exactly. these aren't Hollywood ass jokes. These are jokes you crack with your friend, and that's what makes them so hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it felt like. Literally, me and my friends in our circle, when we're just roasting each other. Yeah. That's how I felt about every joke in this movie, like something we would say to each other. So it was, it felt very, gen, uh, you know, genuine. Yeah. So, spoilers from here on out. Uh, we're gonna go to all of our favorite stuff and things that we just want to talk about that happened in this movie. I'm gonna talk about a plot point to start it off with. I think I really love. The characterization between Colin and his ex-girlfriend. What's her name again? Val? Val. Yeah, Val. She's yeah. a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and as Miles keeps saying, Val's a bitch. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's so strange because that character could have been played so differently. It could have been played as just like a straight up bitch. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it wasn't. There's these, these small things in the actress. That she puts into it to where you can feel like she wants to love Colin. Yeah. Like she, she she wants to give everything to him still, but she just can't. Or she won't let herself have that. She yeah. she genuinely still cares. And I think that's really important for this movie. Because yeah. it it would 
as a lot of play, like the movie needs these all these characters to be so perfectly what they are mm-hmm. or else it loses so much of the message. Like if Val was just straight up a bitch, it loses the reasoning for like her entire like character turmoil. Like mm-hmm. how do you mm-hmm. react when something like that happens? It's just, it's so powerful because when the movie starts, you want to hate her. Cause they like paint her as like the generic bitch, like, kale smoothie ass elliptical ass girl (laughs) but like she's not you learn who she is she's a character yeah she's not just the one note like this this movie almost has like a lot of the trappings that i hate about like a stoner movie but it avoids them so well yeah it does and Um, she didn't have a lot of screen time really oh they developed her character so well in such a little amount of screen time Four or Which five I thought scenes, was very really. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, like every little emotion she would show, not even through saying words, like it wouldn't even be like a script. It would be her eyes or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, just yeah. how she looks at him or just, you know, when he says something or they just have this little small two second dialogue and you can really feel the emotions. You can feel the past emotions in it. Yeah. And you can feel how they're feeling for the future. And it's, it feels uncertain, which is how. I feel like they wanted to portray it, and I just thought... She did a good job saying yeah. a lot without saying anything. Exactly. It was so impressive that they put that much into a character without having her even be on screen that much. Yeah, I think the scene that shows that the best is when Colin gets his braids taken mm-hmm. out for yeah. that one scene to show <laughs> yeah. that all those straighteners and everything work. They do that long hug. Yeah. And then and they, she starts uh, doing a nice grasp back. Yeah, like that... It's. 10 seconds and there's no words and you get this insane feeling of like they still love each other and they still care for each other and she just can't let it happen though because like, she doesn't want to be stuck in this life. I, th- I think what makes that scene work so well is you only see her face for most of it. Yeah. And you can see the pain in her eyes. Yeah. That she clearly cares so much about him and wants it but just won't let it happen because she can't think it will essentially what i got off of her character is she's still stuck on what happened like why he got put in jail because she was you find out later in the movie she was there whenever he did what he did to be put in jail and that probably replays in her mind every time she sees him and that's like she can only see that part of him now and so it's one of those, like, despite the fact that she wants to see him as a new and better person now, she still can't because she still has the scars are from the past. And there's that conversation that they have near the end of the movie where Colin asks, like, when you look at me, do you, what do you see? Do you just see that fight for the first time every time you look at me? And there's nothing. And it's just painful silence in a way that, like, nobody wants to deal with in the real world. Right. Because everybody knows what that silence means. It's heart-wrenching. They tell this insane love story, which takes up maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie, and it feels like you understand their entire history. It's so perfect. Yeah. Kind of a sense of uh, fighting who you were become who you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. That ultimately is kind of what the movie's about is how do you better yourself when no one sees you yeah when everyone sees what you used to be when you're trying to become who you're supposed to be and or, that that's something that hits so close 
to home for me because like I don't know basically throughout my life I did a bunch of things that I mean everyone does stuff they're not proud of obviously but right there's always like things to remind me of who I used to be and I hate that person and this movie was just like that in a nutshell basically like I'm not that person that I made a mistake one time or even a couple times. I don't know. Like, who knows? Yeah. But that is not who I am now. And I hate that society always sees people as who they used to be or the one time you do something bad or mess up or anything like that. That's what they look at you as. Like the whole thing, even with like cancel culture and everything, they're like digging up stuff from like seven years ago. Like people can't change. And I hate that about society because people grow. That's part of being a person. Like you have to make mistakes. You have to do something bad or, you know, sometimes people do bad stuff and that doesn't mean they're a terrible person just because they messed up once. And half the time it's just because they're in circumstances that they couldn't control. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you're in a situation where maybe it is a friend or something, you know, where they have to do something and you help them out. And that ends up getting you in trouble. And then next thing you know, you have a felony or something. Right. That doesn't mean you're a terrible person and you deserve to never get a job. You never get to relive your life for something you did maybe when you were 20. I never understood that about society. And I think, I guess it's getting a little better now, but not, I mean, not really. Not really. People always look at someone who messed up once as that person that they were when they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they never, society doesn't give anyone a chance for retribution, and I don't understand that. I never have. I mean, even People the guy make who, mistakes. Like, yeah. I don't and understand that. It can dictate someone's life, so it can keep them from getting a job. It can keep them from moving forward with their lives. It can keep them from relationships or anything else. And sometimes you grow up, like, in that situation where there's nothing else you can do. Right. Or you feel that way, at least. Yeah. And that's like, some people like, grow up where they have to... They're starving or something. You know, they don't have any money, so they have to go and steal something. They have to. That's where their situation is. So to judge someone on that when they're like 17 or something or whatever, an armed robbery, when you're 17, you don't know any better. Right. You probably learned from the dudes on the street that grew up like that as well, and they're like, well, I mean, go steal something if you need money. Yeah. And so they learn that, and now they're in jail for a felony. And now they can't get a job, so what are they going to do? Go back to the streets and do the same stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a system that's meant to trap you. hmm It's ultimately what happens when you have for-profit prisons, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they built a society about keeping prisoners and, quite frankly, black people and other people of color into those situations that they can't escape from. I mean, this movie even does it to, like, touches on this where... The mother asks uh, Colin why he doesn't go find an apartment, and he just flat out says, like, you can't. If you have a felony, no one's going to give you the apartment, essentially. Have you been convicted of a felony? If so, what were the charges? The exact words on the application. I mean, it's actually another one of those things, because it's one thing that I found out that a lot of employers look for, is like, even if they don't, because there's always that little check box to say, like, have you been convicted of a felony? If so, what did you do? Not everybody fills out yes for that because for some people that's an automatic like, oh, I'm not going to get this job if I have to fill out that I had a felony. But uh, they also look at things like gaps in um, gaps in employment. Yep. Uh, I guess one good example is during the first recession that we had in this country, you know, the one back in 2010, 
Uh, I in our lifetime, I mean, that's yeah. Our <laughs> yeah. <lifetime>. The first <laughs> in our lifetime, I should say. Sorry. Like, yeah. the 2008 recession, whenever that happened, I had just graduated high school. Couldn't find a job because there was no jobs around that time. So I had about a two-year gap in my employment. And so I had to explain to a couple employers I didn't go to prison. I just couldn't find a job. Right. And it's fucking, like, even if it did, what does it matter? You're looking for a job now anyways. Yeah. But they look at that. Or they look at that and they'll judge people it's according even, to that. The worst part is now it's not even they look at that. They've set up systems in the electronic applications that just fucking throw out your resumes oh, yeah. nowadays. I yeah, I've, I've had to go through background checks for jobs before. I hate that question on resumes because it's not anyone's business why you didn't have a job for a certain amount of time. Yeah. 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 But I've had an employer straight up tell me that if they see a gap in their in someone's employment for one year, two year, ten years, whatever else, they automatically assume that person was in prison during this time. Yeah, it's just fucking stupid. Like, what? So the solution is what? Fucking not put any experience. It's such a fucking broken system. Yeah. Um, bringing this back to the movie, you even get a part in it to where Rafael Casal's character Miles is sitting there with his wife at night with the kid asleep on the couch. And they're showing on the news the shooting that happened and talking about it. And he, like, shows the police officer's photo who uh, shot uh, shot the man. And it's like, oh, of course, he's in his uniform. He's wearing a hat. Who the fuck wears a hat for a photo? Let me guess. They're going to show, yep, there it is. And it shows his conviction photo. Yeah. Well, his mugshot. On top of showing his mugshot, they also say that um, they say that he was a, or they have to make sure to say that he was a past felon. And that he was armed, yeah, during this encounter. The even issue, though they don't say he's a past felon, they say he's a felon. Yeah, they uh, a convicted. Felon. Yeah, they say yeah. convicted felon. Yeah, and that he was armed during this, even though you never see him wielding a gun at all. No. And yeah, it, it it he was literally running for his life. Yeah, and that is something that you see a lot of today. Like for some of the uh, black people who were shot down by police, you know, this year or last year, even you see a lot of photos of them, like they. Bring up the worst photo possible, and then you'll have the counter side that try to bring up photos, you know, seeing them in a better light, and then that other side that tries to fight them by saying, like, oh, well, what about the time he did this? Yeah. As if that's an excuse for being fucking killed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I took, he, I took a picture to try to look like I was tough once. Apparently, it's okay for, to shoot me down in the middle of the street. And, like, it, it really goes back to something that I see half-joked, but, like, it's because it's a joke because of the severity that it happens where it's like if a black man is ever convicted of anything, they're going to give him a mugshot or like a shot where he's looking very mean and fierce. And anytime that it's a white person convicted of something, it's some random happy ass thing. If they even fucking show the photo. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like him with his family or something. Right. Like, yeah. uh, like a family photo or like Which someone fucking jet skiing. Now, anyways, what I see is like the recent people that have been killed. They have been showing happier photos of, like, black people that have been killed. So, I, I mean, there's kind of progress, I guess, but I feel like more they're just pandering. Like, news networks, you know, they're trying to be now, they're like, oh, we have to show that we care about black people, so yeah, now we're going to put up happy they're like, photos. All right, we won't call them thugs anymore. I think anymore. his name, I don't know if his, I don't know if it's Tamir Rice. It was a young dude, but now they were all showing photos. He was, like, 20. And he got shot or something. And all the photos that were going around of him that were up by the police were actually him and his son. So 
at least they're not showing like you know some yeah. well, like, crazy thing, photos like, of like yeah i know the, a gun i'm trying something. to look up his name right now it's it's the yeah, thing I'm though like sure how him, media know, tries to distort all that stuff how they try to reinforce the broken ass system and i think now it's well yeah what what we were saying about this movie coming out now it would have way more impact because now i feel like everyone's just tired of the shit like yeah honestly i think people and are more now, willing to listen now yeah, yeah, and now people are putting it out, like, who these people really are. Yeah. Like, these people are fathers, they're sons, like, children. On Some people are children, like, there's 13-year-olds and stuff that have been killed, so... They're people. They're yeah. people. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're... And so, yeah, and half of them are not even... Haven't even committed crimes. Yeah. Like, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is never an excuse to be killed, so... Yeah, uh, Dante Wright. Oh, yeah, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, he was the guy in Minnesota who was actually shot during, um, shot in Minnesota while they were convicting that police officer who killed George Floyd. Yeah, and yeah. so it happened and during at least this time. We got and justice for George Floyd, but but it doesn't. What does it mean? And there, like days after that conviction, another cop murdered another guy in the same exact way. Yeah, and you see it every, you know, every couple of weeks right. that someone's been shot. And it's one of those things where, like, the, the cracks are showing in the system. And people, like it or not, are finally seeing the cracks, essentially. That they've always been there. It's just now yeah. they're more visible. Yeah, and it's always, like, a colored person. Because right. every time that someone that's white shoots up a school or something, they get peacefully taken out of yeah. that school. Yeah. Which, yeah. Never would happen if they were of any shade of color. Right. It doesn't even matter. It's not even just black people. Like anyone, Hispanics, you know, Muslims get treated terribly. Asians. We just had that big massacre with the Asians, um, right? And in that parlor that happened. Yeah, and the police had the audacity to say he was having a bad day. Yeah, when he fucking killed, he murdered people. It doesn't matter. You don't have a bad day and go kill people. Yeah, and it's unless like, you're a cop. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, and it's just. It just kind of, it does, it goes to show the cracks in the system, which they've always been there. Like, they were pretty much hidden, they were talked about, but never really taken seriously up until, I want to say. have been talking about this since, like, the 90s. Yeah. Right. Um, NWA came Ro- up on this. Yeah, because it wasn't until the Rodney King yeah. incident that happened, whenever someone actually caught it on film, that people started taking it, it somewhat keeps, seriously. It just keeps happening. And then it wasn't until the Black Lives Matter movement that people started to, like, really start to look into it and start to see the cracks in the foundation and say, like, this is something that's happening that they've been dealing with for years. And it still keeps happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't change. They're all on camera constantly now. And it it hasn't changed a thing. Yeah, I think that's what's so important about the case with George Floyd and the police officer that murdered him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that has set a precedent now to where if you're a cop, you can't just get away with it. You can't just do whatever you want and murder whoever you want because you're a police officer. There's now a precedent set. It was a precedent setting case Mm -hmm. that people can go and use and these people can be held accountable for the evil actions that they do. But um, let's get back to the uh, the movie, guys. (laughs) Got a a little off rails. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Um, In the movie, which I thought was really cool, just the relationship between the best friends in the movie, like, yeah. because that that was so close to home for me. Just you know how I would act with my friends. Like, 
I felt like I was watching me and my friends, honestly, a lot of the time. And there is that breaking point where you have to, he didn't sit him down, obviously, it was like in an alleyway or whatever after the fight. You have to tell your friend what they're doing is fucked up. Yeah. There's a point where being a friend is saying that to them. And whether they get mad or not that night, whatever, who cares? Because they're always going to, like it happened in this, they're always going to come back and they're going to be better for it because you told them what was right. And then they'll realize, yeah, you're right, dude. I was fucking up. I shouldn't put you in that situation. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been in that many times with my friends. I've had my friends do that to me when I'm out of line. So that, that was something, that scene in the alleyway, after the big fight at the party and, you know, he was all doing the gun shit. Um, that really, that might be one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Cause that really hit home for me. I think it, I think the really important thing is it didn't devolve into a fight fight. Yeah. Cause I yeah. think a, because that's what, a lot of movies would do that. Yeah. And that, no, but that's what friends do. Cause you're not going to fight your, you're not going to fist fight your friends over something like yeah. that. And your friends might be the only people you won't fist fight over something serious like that because they'll yeah. tell you straight to your face, which is what you need sometimes. And so that scene was really like, it was really heartfelt. Like you could feel that the friendship in that scene because I would do that for any of my friends. They would do that for me. And I know in a heartbeat, like if we ever acted out of line, like we we're getting crazy, I would take them just like that and be like, what are you doing, dude? Like, do you see what you're doing? Do you understand how this is affecting me? Do you understand how it's affecting you? And just seeing that portrayed so well in a movie is not something I've seen, honestly. Yeah. Right. I don't, I think a lot of movies don't have the nuance to do it, quite frankly. I'm not saying no movie is as nuanced as this movie, but yeah. like, you need so much to get to that point. And this movie got it perfectly, and it's insane. It built it up great. It's yeah. insane that this movie isn't even that long. Yeah, I know. And it it can felt do that perfect. It was riveting the whole time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this scene, actually, this fight that they have after the party, which we'll go back and get to how we got here after yeah. this. Um, but this is the one scene that David and Raphael always had in the script. This was there since the first draft, and it was never taken out. It was never changed at all. The way they wrote it the first time is the way mm -hmm. that they acted it when it came to shooting that scene that day. And they said that that is in any professional way at all, the hardest thing they've ever had to do because them as being friends and working together for so long, they never had that hard conversation. Mm -hmm. Like they never had to butt heads like that. Like they never had yeah. to like stop and say like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And so having to do this fight, this arguing back and forth for seven hours, just take after take after take, they said was one of the hardest things they've ever had to do. And is one of the, David Dig said, this is the one instance that I wish that I was just acting across from some fucking stranger because I don't want to be sitting here yelling this shit at my friend. At your friend, yeah. Right. And, like, telling them how they're fucking up. Like, it's, the, it's one of the hardest things I've ever mm -hmm. had to do. I mean, the thing about that, too, is I actually have had some of those conversations where, like, because you are right, a real friend will have your back, but it'll also tell you when you're fucking up. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, thing about that is sometimes that friend doesn't always get that message across they think that you're against them now because they're being called out on their bullshit and sometimes that will bring a friend closer to you sometimes it will devolve a friendship and that may be the last conversation you have with that friend 
in my that's not your real friend in my opinion yeah right. and that's that, that kind of does show the boundary between like who's a real friend and who's not there's there's basically two possible endpoints to that conversation either you'll both grow as people from it or you'll realize you're not as close as you expected yeah yeah exactly because like that's that's another kind of part of life is not everything is a two-way street essentially sometimes you don't realize it but like i've 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 gone through this i've had friends where it was clearly a one-sided friendship yeah and ultimately it gets across that and like this movie has the gets to have the kind of comeback i can't think of the words like rec wreck is something reconciliation yeah it gets to have that but yeah not that doesn't always happen but again it's important to be able to have that conversation in my opinion if that doesn't happen that means they're not your real like friends right that's what i think because all the people left in my life are people i've had conversations like this with or people that i've had not even like fights like it doesn't have to be that like a blow-up but people that I've bore my heart out to, you know, or like talked about very serious matter. And the people that like laugh it off, like, bro, nah, let's just go party or whatever, you know, yeah. or just let's, let's just hang out. Let's not talk about that. Those are not your real friends. Cause your real friends are going to listen to that. Yeah. And your real friends are going to call you out on your bullshit when you're acting absurd. Yeah. That's what makes a real friend. If someone just goes along with whatever you do, you don't want that. That's like an echo chamber. It's very dangerous because then you get stuck in your own mind and everything you do you think is right. You need someone to fact check you sometime. You know, you need someone to backhand you sometime and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, look at what you're doing. Because even if it hurts in that moment, you're going to wake up the next day or even sometimes it might take like a couple weeks and you're going to come back and be like, yo, man, you were right. You know, this was absurd. I shouldn't have been doing this. And now I'm better for you saying that. For sure. If you had a friend that always just did what you said, you don't have a friend, you have a lackey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how we get to this scene in the movie. Yeah. It is actually starts off with Miles buying a gun. Uh, mm-hmm. legally, obviously. Yeah. Um off the homie in the Uber. <laughs> <laughs> um and this gun gets brought up over and over and over again between Colin and Miles throughout the whole movie. Like, it's just brought up in conversations. It's shown off. Yeah. Until it leads to a confrontation in Miles's house. It is quite literally a Chekhov's gun. Yes. It is very, very classical uh, writing rule, yes. <laughs> they are having a really good time celebrating the, the release of Colin, basically. Yeah. Cause... Like, he no longer has a curfew. Yeah. Because I want to say about 80% of this movie is Colin in his last three days of being in a halfway house. Yeah. And so they're there. They're having a great time. They're having a conversation. They walk out to the living room, and Miles' son is just sitting on the floor looking at this gun, playing with it. And if anybody's lived in a house with kids and a gun, that's terrifying. That is the worst. I don't even know how you would deal with that. Honestly. That is literally a lot of parents nightmares yeah first of all put that gun somewhere where the kid can't <laughs> for get real it. yeah <laughs> right. and well i think that's one of the things that uh you know david diggs character colin keeps saying it's like possible deniability i don't want to see it put it yeah. away 
keep it somewhere safe. I don't want to be near it. And he never does. It's always just in his, you know, in, in his pocket, yeah, in loaded, his pocket, or no in safety, the, yeah, or in his like um, in his, his belt, belt loop, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah, I. This is probably one of the best needle drop moments I have seen in a movie. In yeah, a like long this is time. one of those like things like everything's fun, everything's great, yeah, and then shit gets real. Because like what happens right before is his. Son yeah, you comes, look good, babe, in that little shirt. Yeah. <laughs> his son comes <laughs> out and gives him a shirt that. I mean, his son probably didn't make, but like him and his mom probably got him. Yeah, which is a fun story. Yeah. Uh, that shirt is based off of a Watsky, George Watsky song uh, called Kill a Hipster, Save Your Hood. And George Watsky actually has a cameo in, at the beginning of the movie as the uh, uh, Quick Stop guy or Quick Eats guy, whatever that place is called. <laughs> oh, he, is he the guy that's like, oh, he, if you don't want a vegan burger, you have to specifically ask for meat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and George Watsky actually got his start um, as a viral video. He was in, like, spoken word scene, the same as Raphael. Yeah. Um, so they've been friends for a while, actually. But Watsky, most people probably know him from White Guy Rapping Fast, a uh, viral video that happened years I've seen and years that ago. Video. Yeah, that's him. So that shirt is actually based off of one of his songs, Kill a Hipster, Save Your Hood, because a lot of the themes in this movie is also gentrification. Well, we'll get into that, of yeah. course. Um, but like, Which, Kill a Hipster, Save Your Hood. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, but, so what a lot of what I'm getting at is it's just so beautiful, like watching him joke about this shirt and how like uh, Miles thinks it's slightly too small. Yeah, yeah. And like he's saying they all are just trying to make him feel better yeah. and stuff. And then they walk back into the living room, and it's just complete silence. Yeah, you can... It's like, even as watching it, it feels like all of the breath is taken out of the room. My heart yeah. drops. Yeah. I was... And I love how they didn't show the child at first. Yeah, yeah. It was only their faces. And you saw you see the how shock. somber they like yeah. got right, right away. And it's and I was like, like oh, you're shit, like sitting there like, what happened? Yeah. Um, it was just... And they're all just like trying to tell the kid, like, "Hey, just uh, stop doing what you're doing. Just hand me that thing. Hand me that gun." And the kid even points at his eye at one point. Down the looks down the barrel, and it's just every second is just the worst second. Yeah, it's baby's of, got a gun. Oh god! <laughs> I think the part that is insane is like you you don't know if this movie is willing to do that or not. Yeah, right. because up to this point, this movie has done a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And getting to this point, I I didn't know if this movie was taking that turn or not. Yeah. And I think what's another really smart and maybe kind of beautiful thing about this is that's how shit actually fucking happens in life. Mm -hmm. Things are going great and in an instant everything can just fucking change. Yeah. Everything yeah. was okay until it wasn't. And that's one of the until things that this movie not. does so well is like it blends the real comedy of life because you have to laugh. You have to laugh your way through life or you're not going to fucking make it. And it blends all of these very real things that people have to deal with. And that's one of the things that make it feel so authentic because it just, that's one of the things that makes it not feel fake in my mind is it's going from these two messing around, making jokes to walking in to Miles's kid holding a loaded weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, feel forced no no well it's even not a, it's, not, it's not an after school psa no. no no but i was gonna say i guess even another good example of that of uh another somber moment that's not quite as serious but like real funny moment wherever you know because 
thinking about Miles' character is he's doing like that. He's doing that hustle. He has his job or his day job, and then he has his side hustle. He's just trying to sell stuff that he gets from moving house or moving houses. <laughs> yeah, and uh, tries to sell uh, some straight use straightening irons to. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, that was a <laughs> yeah, and he's like doing that whole thing where he's like trying to talk up to like you know like oh yeah you want these straightening irons and stuff like that. How do we know they work and they straighten Who Colin's this hair? This white boy in my shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they do that whole thing and it just ends with Colin like the straight hair and he's just like has this look on his face like I feel fucking ridiculous and like calls up his ex saying like hey like you're the only person I know that could get my hair back into braids before 11. Could you help me out, please? And it goes from a super funny moment to like this super touching moment. Yeah. And it does it ve- like this movie is very dark, but very funny at the same time. And it, it moves progressively. It moves very naturally. It moves in a very not forced way. It's so fluid. Yeah. This yeah, movie was so fluid. Like nothing ever felt like a cut and paste. Yeah. Everything was so fluid, like moving together just one scene to the next like it, it belonged you there. get lost in it yeah yeah i know we talk a lot about the comic but this movie all honestly nails tension mm-hmm. so well mm-hmm. yeah it does and so from there they get the gun away from their kid and their wife whose name i can't remember what is it robbie uh ashley ashley she is like what the fuck is this gun doing in my house why didn't you tell me about this gun in my house what the fuck is going on miles and immediately though she has the thing she Ask Colin, is this your fucking gun? Like, because he's the... He's the, he's the ex felon. Yeah. So immediately, he's like, no, it's Miles's. He thought about it. Yeah, he did. Because he was going to bail out his friend, which I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. yeah. And so he doesn't make an excuse for his friend. He makes his friend own up to it. And Miles gets kicked out. Colin gets kicked out. And one of the things I also like in the scene is you can see the pain in that actress's eyes as well. Mm-hmm. of like how could you let this happen in my house and how could you let this happen around you when you're so fucking close to being out of this system yeah and you didn't tell me a lot yeah. of yeah well a lot of that that i see too is kind of that how dare you do or how dare you put my child in danger yeah look too yeah like it's, that's where i saw a lot of at least that anger part of it coming out yeah it's just well it's not just cuz she she ultimately trusts Colin. She does. More, arguably more than her own husband in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like a betray of trust. Because you could tell in the way she asked, how could you let him buy a gun? Yeah. As if he's Miles' keeper. Yeah. And that Miles isn't a grown adult at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a lit. Every performance in this is so fucking layered in every scene. Yeah. yeah. I love it so much. It. Honestly makes them feel a lot more like real people too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they get out of there and Colin is distracted in this conversation that the two that Miles and him are having outside of the house the whole time because there's a cop car in the distance. So he doesn't want to get too erratic. He doesn't want to have a fight right here because he feels like his life is in danger all the time. Which it is. It is. Whenever it you're is. on whenever you're in, in a halfway house and on parole, yeah. Or just a fucking black guy on the street. Yeah. Even it's just, it's, it's awful, but yeah. So they finally accept, or Miles accepts, an invitation to a party that they've been getting invited to the whole movie through these text messages, and they finally accept it. Call an Uber. It's the guy from the beginning of the movie, which is great. It's a really good joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bay Goose. 
<laughs> yeah, Bay Goose, baby. I actually like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so they get to this party, and it's a, it's a very white party. It's an extremely white party, but the the shot is something that I love so much because it says so much about what this movie is talking about with the gentrification. Uh-huh. It's these very modern-looking homes next to these very old houses Yeah, that were built 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. And that's what it actually is. That's the location. They didn't change anything around. They didn't do any effects. That's what that fucking street looks like when they shot this film. And that's something that they had to actually have a problem with in a lot of this. Because the gentrification is so bad in Oakland right now, yeah. to where things are changing constantly, well, all the time, every fucking day, something it, new. It isn't even just Oakland; it's just a lot of it's everywhere. Yeah, a lot of areas, and it's devastating in a lot of ways. Because like the movie does kind of bring this up earlier when one of the people that they're moving for is just someone who's gonna flip the house. Yeah, and yeah, she she's like clearly doesn't give a time. shit. She doesn't yeah. care, and like. A lot, so I, I've talked to a lot of people that like just don't see the problem with it or don't care, but like by doing that, you're literally erasing history, you're erasing yeah. culture, you're erasing these people's lives basically, and trying to make it something palatable. Right, because this this is literally how you cause death of cultures. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this shot where you see these two old houses on each side of it, and these two very modern looking homes, completely real shot. And it's something that they actually had a hard problem with in the movie a lot. They did uh, site scouting for the movie. And they're like, okay, this is where this scene takes place. We are literally building the scene around this place. They went to go shoot it. It was completely different. Like, literally, the the street had changed entirely from what they had written around for what that scene would even look like or what would take place there. Like, multiple times this happened during the shooting of this movie. Like, that's how bad it was. They did a really good job at uh, just the opening scene of this movie too, where they had like the two different, yeah, the two different lifestyles of yeah, Oakland, basically fire. of like, um, basically the ghettos and the nice neighborhoods, if you which will. all of that's actual footage, yeah, that they just oh, got while they were hanging around. Yeah, this. I believe it, and like, yeah. you even do see that with like these old houses and then, like these new houses that are being built right next to these old houses to look like these old houses, but newer. Yeah, that's. Like, all the people partying on the street, like, all that stuff. Like, that's yeah. just parties that they witnessed that's while they were shooting yeah, the movie. That's real. Yeah. I like that uh, the party that they went to, it felt very real to, like, <laughs> parties yeah. I went to yeah, in, like, sometimes. Marquette, Michigan sometimes. Right. Yeah, white. <laughs> where, the yeah, place, all white people, there's, like, three black dudes that we would hang out with. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, what up, bro? Like, hey! <laughs> The best part for me was the guy playing the guitar. That's always yeah. That's there's always, always one that fucking guy. dude there. One yeah. fucking dude. He's like, and we're like, where did you even get that? Where did you bring that to the party? Because I'm confused. Yeah. Why are you playing an acoustic guitar next to a PA? Yeah, I was like, what's that's going on here? Mo- yeah, like in my favorite part, he's not even playing an actual like thing. He's just no, playing just like, like a chord. That's actually always what happens too. It's just like yeah, Ring. yeah. It's like, yeah. like uh, you know, so it's like what songs do you do? Uh, Wonderwall. I'm like, did he bring? Did he bring? this or <laughs> i think it's just like one of, it's like a superpower like you just manifest guitars mm-hmm. at the most inconvenient times yeah they, they just call in the guitars <laughs> but like I, yeah it's like such a perfect idea and it it culminates in an amazing thing where collins goes and finds the only other black people at the party yeah and, and they're like hey mm-hmm. welcome to a mixer you guys never accept my invitations and 
you accepted this one, which is the weirdest one because it's just my boss's monthly mixer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, before you came, a uh, mix of a bunch of white people, but I'm glad you're here now. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said specifically a bunch of white people and two black people. Now three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's such a, <laughs> like, it's so weird because it's, it really stinks of the token black people at yeah. the company. Which is what it is. Yeah. Like, honestly. it happens all the time. It, like, it, it's just insane how, especially, like, the outrage some people have about, like, hey, maybe we should get, like, people of color. If you're like, what, white people can't be here? It's like, yeah, like no, it's there's not what I'm ni- saying. There's 99% white people <laughs> here. We need other people. Any party we went to like that, we would leave within, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, like, if there's only white people, there's not enough fun. Like, <laughs> you need... <laughs> You need some culture, like we need something. We need some fun going on. We need someone like over in the corner being like, "Hey, let's get it!" Ah, yeah. white people don't do that. Yeah, they're just like chilling. They're like, "Would you like to sample my goat cheese yogurt?" Yeah. Well, it's like the, the music for Food Encapsulates that party too, where it's the fucking dumbass. Like it's like some EDM mixed with like some folk country. Rock. Yeah, it's like a it's like a radio song, but then they have bad yeah, it was hilarious <laughs> tracks in it layered on it. Yeah, and I think the most important part about this is because both Collins and uh, Miles are there. Yes. Um, Miles kind of comes to realization that he's a lot more like the white people here than he really wants to be. Than he's ever realized. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first thing that happens is the host is there and is like, "Oh, yo, we got the same tattoo." Yeah. And like this is like the Miles is like, "No." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he comes to the realization like. If he, if he ever wanted to get out of the life that he's living, if he were to get out of the area, he could blend in perfectly. He wouldn't yeah. have to try. He would just blend in. And it's like it's one of those parts that's like gut wrenching because of the rawness of it. Is when one of the other black people at the party goes to get him some drinks, and he meets Miles, and Miles is just Miles. He yeah. just he grew up in that area, and he's like, "Yo, what up, bro?" Yeah. And the black guy's like, you don't have to pretend, dude. You're- you don't have to be tough here. You can be who you want to be. He's like, just, you know, relax and hits him on the shoulder, which is funny that I was listening to the commentary and he's like, so like, here's the thing. It looks like I like sold him like hitting me. Right. He's like, no, that dude's just <laughs> fucking strong. Like, He actually just hit me and I moved. Like, it- I-, I tried not to move. I just I couldn't. He's too strong. It- it- per- it's perfect, though. Like, it shows how out of his element he became. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, I. I didn't disagree with Miles in that scene. Like, I thought he was being disrespected in a way because he did grow up like that. And I don't think, like, just because you're white doesn't mean you can't grow up like how he did. Like, he grew up with, uh, what's the other character's name? Colin. Colin. Yeah, he grew up with Colin. He grew up like that in the Bay Area, in the streets like that. Like, you can be street and white. Like, see, that's another thing that's like, kind of weird like how come you can't adapt to that culture if you grew up in it so but i don't know that was a different view for me because i thought he was being disrespected like he was like hey bro don't i mean that you can be white dude right but he didn't grow up that way so that's not how he is you know i think it's also because we know the character though which is the same for collins he knows miles but like when you hear the guy come back to collins and the other lady uh, like he's like, oh, there was just some dude trying way too hard. Yeah, I can't and, blame like, him because yeah. like if I didn't know him, 
Yeah. Right. And you exactly. were just a black dude going up to him. You'd probably be like, oh, this dude. Poser. Which like, I think goes yeah. perfectly to what the title of this movie is, the blind spot yeah. thing. Like, yeah. yeah and if they, you've yeah, always had this one true. viewpoint on these people, like how people look, yep. then that's how you're going to see it. That's think. always going to be the first thing you see. That's always going to be, when you look at this picture, you always see the vase first. That's very true. But like, they, the reason I think it works for me a lot is the setup with the host. When he mm-hmm. walks like, up to them, Cali, not not even just that. Like when he's walking <laughs> up to the three black people, he's like, "Yo, you guys want some drink?" Yeah, that was yeah. Like, oh, I hated that. Guy. It like really felt like he was like, "You want some purple drink?" But I know bros? that guy. That yeah, note. yeah, that guy is a person. Yeah, and like <laughs> they see, they saw Miles as this because that's all they have to base any of them off of. It's like, yeah, it's unfortunate thing of like you people try to sense patterns even when it's awful unfortunately yeah and i think i think kind of we can have some more like some of the reason we can kind of see the miles not really being a poser i think honestly i think it's because we're mixed honestly like we kind of have the idea of being and i grew up so like multi-cultural yeah just me but i don't know why just me because like where we grew up was very white honestly right, but like we, the area but, like, my friend group was not that... Like, I grew up with so many cultures in my friend yeah. group that... I think I just never looked at anyone like that, really. Because, I mean, obviously, we knew those people that were like, Oh, bro, what's up, dude? You yeah. trying to get some drink, my friends? <laughs> I'm like, we were like, okay, why don't you just talk normal, dude? Like, talk how you always yeah. talk. I don't understand why you're doing that. It's, it's the thing about, like, overcompensation from a lot of... Not even just white people. Some Like, everyone could be... And sometimes I know issue. they don't like you're not trying to be like rude or no like disrespectful. You sometimes they are like out of good heart, like they're just trying to like fit in or just like I don't know. They they're trying to like relate to you or yeah, something. Because like the yeah. host is the host in this isn't trying to be no, he's just, kinda racist. He just is that way. That's yeah, he just like thinks that's how you how you talk, talk to black to, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it's you one of some things. of that perp, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, this is something that's been parodied for years and years yeah, because exactly. it's a constant issue. Like, I think SNL did an old skit in like the 90s or 2000s that was basically this, where it's just like white people like getting really like, salutations, my dude. Salutations, brother. <laughs> yeah. Like, but because it's such a real thing. Thing, Even like, like a like Dave Chappelle and Cat Williams, they would always do their white person. Yeah, you know, yeah where they would yeah. come in, and you always got to have a white person in the circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things. But um, back to so Miles is kind of so out of his element at this point. Like he's so out of his element. He's getting so worked up about the smallest things, like a quick way. The burger place, mm-hmm. which is apparently Caters. a real place, yeah, it that ca- got torn down, and they had to like make a new one. And it was like a whole <laughs> thing, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> like they catered to the place to the party. And he's, and he's so like, mad. "No, Quickway doesn't fucking party. It's around the way. That's why it's in the fucking name, Quickway." Yeah, <laughs> and like he at the start, he was super upset that there's like vegan burgers. Yeah, yeah. Default, I guess, apparently, but like, and then the when the black guy comes back and he's like, "Hey, like Miles is snapped." Yeah. And he uh, attacks him and starts leaving up. the party. And then when he's leaving, well, not even leaving, Colin no. fucking throws him out and gets him out of there because Colin doesn't want to deal with the fucking problem. Yeah. Uh, deal with the trouble, I should say. See, and so, good friend, first of all. Yeah. Great friend. Yeah. And so they're leaving the party. And the guy that Miles tackled comes after him. He's like, hey, no, white boy, you come back here. And 
tackles Miles. And here's where one of the production troubles of the movie happened. Mm. Raphael Castell decided not to use a stuntman for getting tackled mm. and decided to just get tackled, which he like trained for earlier that morning for like 30 minutes yeah, is all. <laughs> um, oh, no. And His so head got bounced off the concrete. Yeah, it yep. did, and he got a concussion. <laughs> yeah, God, it. That, so that was a real cut on his head, then. Uh, it was the back of his head that got smashed. Oh, okay. In. Yeah, um, he, he is was so lucky that it was just a concussion. Yeah, yeah. He uh, it was it was almost bad. He the production got shut down for four days because he just couldn't function. Jesus. For the first couple That's days, bad, he man. literally couldn't even remember the last two years of his life. He never remembered moving to New York. He didn't remember that they were doing a movie. Uh, and David Diggs had to constantly tell him, like, hey, like, what am I doing in the hospital? You got a concussion. How? Uh, we were working on a movie and did your own stunt. He's like, movie? Whose movie? Our movie. We made a movie? <laughs> and, like, constantly like, oh, having no. to tell him that. God. And apparently he made, like, the same rude jokes to the nurses about, like, he needs his pants back, like, 50, 60 times. Oh, and the nurses got <laughs> tired about it because he literally just kept making the same joke oh, over and man. over. Um, yeah, he got a fucking concussion because he just took that hit by yeah. himself. Without training. Yeah. <laughs> really. Nice. No, no, no. Good job. 30 minutes of training. Yeah. No, yeah. Arguably really worse, because that makes Minimal. It... <laughs> he sounded like he was confident after 30 Minimal minutes. training. 30, yeah, 30 minutes, like, yeah, I got this. He's I like, got bro, this. He's like, bro, I can fucking fall. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen on my ass so many times. Yeah, he's like, bro, chill out. I know how to hit my head. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so that happens. Um, and then there is a huge fight in the movie, back to the movie, yeah. uh, between Miles and... Uh, the other black dude that was at the party that he daggled. And he fucked that dude up. Yeah, he fucked him up. And uh, got fucked up himself so a little bit. So good for him. Fight. Yeah. He did it. And then the, him. the guy who was uh, hosting the party, the guy with the t- same tattoo, comes out and he's like, hey, you can't do this in my house. And he's like, you, what? Your house? Yours? No. No. And starts shooting in the air. Yeah. And everyone's that, freaking that out. That guy's voice like cracked when he yelled too. Yeah. Like yeah. the white guy, the yeah. owner. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> you can't do this in my house! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Colin flips out, says they immediately have to run because you like, start hearing sirens already. Yeah. And so they run, and this is when they have that confrontation in the alleyway. The best. Uh, yeah. The best. That's my favorite scene, honestly. And that's movie. when they start having that conversation about like using the N word and like why Miles doesn't use it. And he's like, if it's so disrespectful for you just say it to me, then why do you let me say it to you? Because they were raised the same way, and, like, what does this word mean to you, and, like, why won't you say it, and stuff like that. And Right. I love how Colin um, basically said, like, you want to be seen how I'm seen, why don't you say it? Yeah. yeah. Like, you are doing all these things that they see me for, and I don't do that. Yeah. You're the yeah. one they're looking for. And I was, I, that was so, like, deep. Right. It's and such... I, I've never heard that expressed that way. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, like, crazy to think about because it's true. Like, because Miles was the one, yeah, that they're looking for. Like, the one that they would use that word to describe. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you want to be that so bad, why don't you say it then? Yeah. yeah. And like, I thought that scene was so, I don't know, just hit me, like, different or some Like, because I've never heard it. I've never heard anyone explain using that word in that way. Because, yeah. like, when my friends, like, how we say it, it's just, like, as friends, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like, homies. But the way he explained that was so just different. I've never heard anyone, like, think about it that way or anything because I've never been in a situation where I would have to look at it in, like, a racially toned way. Right? Yeah. And so him saying that 
like, you want to be that so bad. Why don't you just say it? And he's like, nah, you don't, you know, I don't do that, man. He's like, they're looking for you. Yeah. They're not looking for me. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. That shit like blew my mind. Honestly, that scene was great. It was great. Like that's one of the stuff that took me back to high school, honestly, because, um, when you're in a high school with a bunch of uh, super white kids and maybe a couple black kids, um, the white kids use that word a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it is awful. And every time, like, I think this is a really important scene for, there's so many reasons why it's important scene, but like, I think this is the point where if it hasn't dawned on you what this movie is actually about, it's here where it's like all about racial stereotyping essentially. And like tension. Yeah. But like where, like it, it's why that is such an awful thing for a lot of people. Cause like, I think it's really easy to get into the thing where it's like, Oh, well stereotyping is just kind of all in fun and stuff. And like, you, we stereotype because a lot of the things about stereotypes are true in a sense, but like it's when it gets to this level. Yeah. It it can be fun and true and jokingly like fun. Right. If you, but it has to be in the right setting and it has to be told the correct way. Right. Cause like again, with Collins, his whole life, he was seen as the big black man with dread. And it's shown that's not him. No. At this point, especially. He has tried so hard to separate him from that, but no one will see him as anything else because to them, he's just a black man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see that a lot every day in the real world. It's, it's something that I can't, I can't speak to what it must feel like walking around just knowing that there are certain people that see you as an awful human being just because of the color of your skin that want you dead or think, awful things about you just just because of your hairstyle even it's it's fucking atrocious and i have people in my family that i have severed ties with that think those things and i just don't know how i don't know how they got there i don't understand it i think honestly from what i can tell because most like despite the fact that we grew up in a racist area some of the most racist things i've ever seen was probably whenever i was living in salt lake city and a lot of those people, like some of them I actually talked to and like, like, you know, why do you think that way kind of thing? And they were taught that way. Like, um, yeah, it starts, uh, it starts with like how they're raised. Yeah. And, uh, I guess a good example of something like that would probably be like, uh, my ex-girlfriend's dad, you know, I've, I've told stories about him, like not on the podcast, but to you guys before. And like, uh, yeah. he grew up in Mississippi and he grew up in a raci- racist family mm-hmm. and, uh, he was actually taught that, you know, black people were lesser and that like uh, part of the reason why their skin was so dark is because they were diseased and all this other stuff. And he grew up believing that stuff. And like it took him moving out of Mississippi and getting away from that area to realize like a lot of the shit that they told him was bullshit nonetheless. Yeah. Um, getting back to the movie real quick. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we jumped off the topic a lot for this a lot, podcast. A lot, a lot. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So... Miles kind of drags himself home, tail between his legs, uh, and his wife is there like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why would you bring that into my house? And she sees he's fucked up, and she freaks out, because she she loves him, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're there having, she's like fixing him up, like stitching him up, and wrapping his hand around, because he fucked it up and broke it when he was in that fight. And uh, 
fixing his cuts and all that good stuff. They start having a conversation of like, what, why, why? I know why you think you had to have that gun, but if you had told me about why you think that, don't you think I could have told you the perspective of why this would have happened or how this could have happened? And he doesn't have any excuse. He doesn't have, he doesn't, this is such a good character moment because it shows mm. that Miles isn't a bad person. No, he's not, he's not rotten. No, he just doesn't have an excuse. He doesn't have a reason. He just says, I'm sorry. And it's such an important small thing for this character because it does just show like he made a mistake. I guess something we should talk about is why Colin was arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. we danced around it, but we never said the scene that happens on why he was arrested. Yeah. Which is brought into the movie with Colin coming into work with his ex. We also haven't mentioned this works the reception desk and writes the schedule for who goes out and who does what moves and stuff like that. And there's a guy there, which um, I'll throw a little fun fact in here before we get into uh, the incident. The guy who is telling the story about what happened at the bar of why Colin got arrested is the guy who originally played Lafayette in Hamilton. Mm, okay. um, uh, David Diggs and Rafael Casal grew up with this kid as well. And he originally was playing that part. He was chosen for the part by... Um, I can't think of his name. The writer of Hamilton. Oh, um, Lin Manuel. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Um, chose him for this, and like when they were doing all the off Broadway stuff before it like got huge, he was chosen for the part. But he actually ended up being kicked out because he couldn't um deal with his alcohol consumption and mm-hmm. his drug abuse, and so basically his big like thing, like his his big break. He got pushed out of because he like just couldn't handle some substance control, which he later got help for, and he's in a much better place now. He was really funny. He was, and he's extremely talented, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like looking at the earlier videos with him in it, like he fucking killed the Lafayette part in Hamilton. But David Diggs was like the second choice, and he came in, and he's obviously got extremely famous for the part. Anyway, that guy is telling this story in a very, very comedic way that right. is extremely, extremely funny. If you just listen to the story. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that's the catch is that the reason why there is a rift between Colin and his ex, who's working reception where the story is being told, is because of this incident. Yeah. And so neither of them want to relive it, especially not through a stranger's eyes yeah. being told to another stranger. It's like, it was sick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so this is them kind of having to face it and say, like, this is why you can't be with me kind of a yeah. thing. This, this is why moment. you can never look at me the same. Yeah. And what sucks is she came out at the end when yeah. he was just throwing punches. She didn't see the whole thing. She didn't see how shitty that dude was. Yeah. Like, he deserved to get punched. Maybe not beaten up I mean, that that's bad. the that's Maybe the not thing set on like, fire. Yeah, maybe not set on fire and maybe <laughs> died. But. <laughs> I think that's the part that I think is really, like, interesting about the incident that got him thrown in jail. It's not like he was an innocent man. No. Like he assaulted no. this person and this person was shitty to him. Yeah, but fuck that guy. But like <laughs> like there, also there was a clear point first. that was there was a clear point that was crossed. There was. And he could have done like two punches. Yeah. Probably. It because ultimately like it's important for the story that he wasn't just an innocent man. But it's also important for the story that it wasn't, like, an intentional, heinous crime. 
no. He went too far. Yeah. A very, like, a very realistic thing. Yeah. Subjectively. Too far. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) like. Yeah, so. Yeah, so the story is, uh, Collins used to work for a bar, essentially. Mm -hmm. And one day, a hipster came and ordered the scorpion tail, which is this extravagant drink that is. You forgot Colin was looking extra fly. He was looking extra fly. So it's a it's a extravagant drink that's on fire, essentially. Yes. The giant punch bowl of alcohol. Yeah. The hipster goes outside and is like, yo, look at this drink, dudes. It's like to his friends. Yeah. And Which why were they outside? Why were they not in the bar? They were only twenty years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is a possibility. He's still abetting a crime, then definitely deserves the punches. <laughs> and also so it's Collins and then uh Miles is also there. I I assume also a bouncer, but maybe he's just hanging out. He's just probably just chilling with his yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the hipster comes out and Collins is like, "Yo, you got to go back inside. No alcohol, no alcohol's allowed out here." And they're just like, "Yo, no, don't worry. I'm just gonna show real quick, and then I'll go." And then if you lose your job, don't worry, I'll find you another one. Yeah, and right. that's when Collins snaps. Yeah, that is a fucked up thing to say to someone. Yeah. So the hipster then also like, for confrontation, he's seeing something, so he just pushes Collins. Yeah, and see first assault. Yeah, firstly, <laughs> but not Colin's fault, and deserved also whatever he got. Maybe maybe not the burn. So, but also his fault because he had the drink outside and shouldn't yeah, have. So, and Colin said, "Don't bring that outside." Yeah. So Collins is angry at this point, and he snapped. Yeah, and he attacks the hipster, dropping the drink on the ground, and the hipster. As he is fighting, the hipster's choking him, and then Miles comes in. Yeah. And starts essentially stomping him out. Mm-hmm. Um, A.K.A. good friend. <laughs> as they're fighting, uh, the hipster is set on fire from the drink, which this drink should not be allowed anywhere. This is such a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they actually that's, that's, would let you have that. Yeah. No, I think you can't legally sell I feel that. like that's movie purpose. Actually, I don't know. It's Some bars really, honestly, probably wouldn't care. In like it's areas. one of those things. It's one of those like, things. Like you buy that drink, you have to drink it at the bar, and you're not allowed yeah, to touch it. That's true. <laughs> it kind of one of those things. Kind of like whenever flaming Dr. Like, Peppers they, was yeah, like considered to be like the big shots. thing until bars started getting burned down. Yeah, I know they do like some flaming shots, but they would never let you take that outside. No, no. Yeah. no. Now it's kind of. The, I think that's kind of what they're showing. Yeah, is, that's yeah. the thing. Like, that's the, their kind of showing is like because that's one of those things. And you get someone that's drunk and has a superiority complex. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want, anyways. So it doesn't matter how many times people say, like, D- you can't take that outside. He's like, oh, oh whatever. I'm just going to show it to my friends. Just let me let me show it to my friends, and I'll bring it back inside like you want me to. It's not a big deal. Like, those people. Yeah. yeah. Like, think they're above yeah. the law, essentially. And yeah. it's that drunk person trying to get that extra win. In. Yeah. So they're fighting. Um, Another really important part about this scene, it doesn't hold back. No. It is nah. brutal. He was fucking that yeah. dude up. Like, it is a dude on fire. Covered in his own blood while being stomped in the middle of the street while choking his opponent out. Yeah. 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 Which didn't feel bad for him. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this, though. Like, the guy, whenever he was narrating it the entire time, you are right. He did a very good job. The one... uh, (laughs) I think I know where you're going. Yeah, I was going to say the only time I could say it's it's up there with the level of, like, telling a story as, like, um... Pena? Yeah, Michael Pena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is hilarious. 
yeah um i would say that's up there with like whenever michael pena is like telling his little narration story uh for the for the first ant-man i haven't seen the second one so i can in there too okay whenever he does like his stuff on ant-man like the narration is up there with that but the thing is is you're watching this very brutal fight scene happen while he's telling this very funny narrative story because like the first time I caught myself, because I didn't want to laugh because it was a serious right, moment. Very, but whenever yeah. he was like talking that Miles was like stomping this guy and he was just like just yelling, I hate my dad. Like I started yeah, laughing. Was like, funny. I just really <laughs> wonder what that was supposed to be originally. <laughs> that was hilarious. So I was, out of context. I was halfway hoping that like the fight scene you see that happens at that party afterwards with Miles, like as he's like beating that guy's head into the side of his car, he just starts yelling, I hate my dad. That's what I was kind of hoping for. But uh yeah, so the fight's going on, and it's eventually kind of stopped. And this is when Val walks in. Yeah. And she just sees Colin with just blood all over him and a man beat into a pulp. It's Looking like fire. a real man oh my God. that you want to date. And he's on fire, and Colin's putting a fire out on his arm, and that's the image that she's stuck with. Yeah. Is that is a real man. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need toxic masculinity on this. <laughs> a real man or woman. <laughs> yeah, that was the issue. <laughs> so, I need to be fair, the guy who's narrating this fight, that's kind of how he sees it, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to like yeah, you're not, how he's Yeah, you're not supposed stuff. to like uh, look at it that way, but I would no, say, say like, the guy who's narrating it definitely sees it this way. Uh, but Colin and Val definitely don't. Because yeah. like, you I can see like, he as he's fire. telling the story and they're like, just please don't tell the story. He just won't shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But, um, and we don't, another really interesting, we don't see the cops show up at, like, what happened with that. No, we don't. The only thing we know is Collins went to jail and Miles didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even though, like, the last thing you see in the scene is him, is, uh, that moment between Colin and Val while Miles is still stomping on yeah. a guy who's on fire. Yeah. And again, it goes back to kind of racial stereotypes and stuff, like, and how black people aren't treated the same as white people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last little scene I want to talk about here uh, before we get into our final thoughts is the big climactic scene. The last big spoken word scene right. as well. Yeah. Because there's spoken word all throughout this this movie. It's mm-hmm. just kind of sprinkled in whenever uh, Colin and Miles get very emotional about something. Um, there's a lot of spoken word in, in that, yeah. which goes into a lot of what they say of, like, the prettier you speak, the more that people listen. Uh, it's true. It is true. And that was kind of something that they learned living in Oakland is that, like, the more well-spoken you are, the less people will think that you're lower than them. And so that's kind of why they got into rapping and got into poetry and got into all that stuff is because that's what they learned. But, yeah, so there's a lot of that in the movie. And the last big scene is there. It's this very suburban neighborhood. They're uh, not really talking to each other because they had that falling out the night before. Um, so they're not really like talking. They don't hate each other. They doesn't no. feel like they hate each other. They just don't know what to say. It's just a little raw still. Yeah. And so they're moving the, uh, this house out, and they're almost done. Colin goes back in to get his jacket real quick, and he realizes that this house that they're moving all the stuff out of is the same house that the police officer who did the wrongful shooting was in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I do love that this was another one of those scenes to where it like whenever he flips over the picture and realizes that this is that cop's house, you don't see the picture at first, but you know, you know, just yeah. by looking at his face, you know whose yeah. house this is. Yeah. 
and he finds him. He seems drunkenly in his garage, just standing there crying, angry, the cop. And cop turns around, sees Colin, and immediately tries to go for his gun. But Colin still has Miles' gun. So he pulls it out on him. And anything I say to this scene isn't going to speak justice to what no. is actually said in this scene. You, you need to see this scene yeah. to really understand the it full is, impact. Yeah, it, it is very powerful. But it is a scene. It is the confrontation scene between yeah the cop and Colin, and Miles does weirdly enough for the first time kind of becomes the voice of reason during this time, telling him like just trying to calm things down and say like put down the gun like. This doesn't need to escalate more than it already has. Yeah, which in, with Miles' character shows that like maybe he's over that hill. Like maybe he realizes he has to take responsibility for himself too. Yeah, but this is also Colin's moment too of like yeah, feeling like maybe for the first time ever he's going to be heard by someone. Yes, and saying that like through all of this, like he is not the killer in this room, and that he has never felt this pressure of a trigger before. But maybe this is the time, basically essentially is is what that comes down to and that goes I over gonna, I was going to say my favorite line he said during that was it was something like you've never felt the pressure of being on the other side of this trigger yeah but i'm not the killer here yeah yeah and that is just i mean it is what it There's, is it's heavy yeah, yeah. it is it's heavy so many powerful lines like yeah, again like, you just have to watch the scene like, yeah. you can't really explain it in words but like this is where the line of like you have to have spoken word to be heard yeah is where he's talking like they don't people don't listen unless he was rapping was what that people are conditioned to listen to a black man rapping yeah and it's true like yeah the voices don't get heard like the only way that black men really busted on the scene was from rapping Mm -hmm. they were jazz and then white people took over jazz Way before they were blues, and then white people took yeah. over blues. Yeah. Then they became jazz, and then white people, white people made rock and kind of took over that scene. Yeah, and rock, rock came from black a lot of black musicians, too. Yeah, it did. They all, black people invented most, most major music. Yeah, music. <laughs> yeah, quite frankly. We're saying is white people are not very creative. <laughs> <laughs> we're, well, good at, we're good at taking things, though. <laughs> yeah. But from that last scene, one thing uh, Miles said that I liked a lot is when the cop said, um, I didn't mean to. And he said, but did you? And he didn't say anything. The cop didn't say anything. He yeah. Started crying. yeah. Cause like, cause Colin walks away at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and said, yeah, but did you mean to? And he didn't respond. He just yeah. started crying. Cause like, like it, it is clear. The cop is shaken up about this, but through his actions, you can see that it isn't like an isolated incident. No, mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, we don't know the full story as a lot of people like to say yeah it the fact that the first thing he did when he saw a black man essentially was go for a gun and people might try to be like well colin has a gun there's no way he would have known at that point yeah he saw a black man in his house he went for a gun yeah yeah exactly what happened and he should have known there was movers there right so. yeah well as i gonna say you can't say it's just one of those because Everybody paints him as like, oh, he's a cop who did what he had to do. That's how the news paints it throughout the entire movie. But the only one who knows what really happened besides that cop is Colin. Yeah. And he sees the only other person who knows what he really did. And he probably feels like that shame of he did something wrong and now he might have to pay for it kind of thing. It's not one of those. It's not that he's not 
trying to think of the best way to put this. He's not sorrowful that he did it. He's sorrowful that he could get caught. Yeah. Yeah. And I do worry that if this does become more popular, there are going to be a lot of people misconstruing this scene and the cop, especially. Yeah, I think but so too. That's, that's just the unfortunate part about when you make a movie. Like I saw something that was like, I, it was someone who said, I feel bad for all the people who make satirical takes on like masculinity and stuff like that, because 89% of your fans are going to be men who think that that's what they're supposed to be. Right. It's like, well, that's the danger of a lot of satirical work too, or like a lot of um, constructional work, like uh, not constructional, um, work that like criticizes something. Like a good example of something like that would be like American History X, because even though the main message of that movie is racism bad, you don't want to be be like these people. There's still a lot of neo Nazis that actually look at a, um, look at the main character of that movie and like look at him like he's a hero. Right. Or people who look at Tyler Durden from uh, Fight Club and like he's yeah, supposed to be the the, the main version of like what a man's supposed to be, even though that's not the message of that movie. That's in fact the opposite of the movie. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. saying <laughs> that's not what you should ever want to be. Yeah. If you walk away from Fight Club and be like, man, Tyler Durden was such a badass, you got the wrong message. Yeah. But the thing is, we know people who got that message from that movie. Yeah. And you know, quoted him on MySpace and Facebook all the time. Oh man, there were so many, yeah, so many backgrounds of Tyler Durden on MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> but between that or like I said, um, or like Edward Norton, like I said, playing American History X, because like that is uh, almost a satirical look at like racism and how it's bad and how you don't want to be like these people. But there are a lot of people who have like that white supremacist view and they view him as a hero compared yeah. to something like the producers. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, usually whenever you see, like, um, commentary style video or commentary style movies on stuff like this, it has to be satirical and it has to be funny because if you try to say it in a serious notion, then people will misconstrue it almost, I want to say almost 100% of the time. Yeah, they will. They will. You're not wrong. Um, they'll say, they'll either misconstrue it or say it's too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, it ends on a lighter note with Miles popping a joke towards Colin and being like, man, like we have our next move up here in this area. He's like, uh, anything you want to get out or say right now? Cause I think we can only get away with pointing a gun at a customer once per day. <laughs> and like, in a way that felt like so real because I've had situations with like Robbie where I'm going through like really horrible shitty times and he makes like the most inappropriate joke and that's just exactly what i needed at that time yeah it, yeah you it, have to i've said it before on this podcast like that's how we dealt with it growing up we dealt with this shitty situation and we did what we could to deal with it with humor yeah. because it was almost like if you can laugh at something maybe it wasn't that bad yeah yeah and i think that this this shows how much of friends they still are and that they are growing from everything that's happened in the last few days and both learning about a lot about themselves and each other yeah, still. And it ends on this very heavy but light note of like, we keep moving and things keep changing. And it's, it's great. It's such, yeah. a, it's such a great ending to this movie. Because even Miles ultimately learned something that he needed to is that sometimes you need to embrace change. Yeah. Because like he, it is implied, this is how Miles always has acted. Yeah. And that he was never, he never changed. And like, he was so opposed to any change in anything. And it wasn't until like he got to this point after the fight that he learned to embrace change. And they signify this on such a 
silly little thing of him drinking the green juice that I was making fun of throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. And liking it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that shit ain't bad. bad. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, that was dope. it's so good. Um, but let's get on to final thoughts here. Well, I did. There's okay. one little scene that I wanted to talk about. Okay. When they get back to the house and the little, and the sun runs up to Collins and like oh, gives yeah. him the juice and like starts attacking him and then Colin like steps in and is like, stop. That was sad. And the kid says, don't shoot. Oh yeah, don't shoot, don't shoot. That was really sad. And it, Colin yeah. is just taken back. Right. Like the the real the reality dawned on him. Yeah. Like this is what we have to teach people. Yeah. And even the mom it's out the window and she's like, Oh, is he practicing on you? Pamphlet said maybe he's a little young, but I think it's never too young to start teaching him how to take care of themselves. Yeah. And like it's such like it's another like needle drop moment that I think the movie does well where like everything's so lighthearted. Yeah. And then Bam. It's just not. Yeah, like the again, reality hits you. Yeah, like nothing is ever the same. Exactly. It never will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, final thoughts here. Uh, let's start off with E. Um, like I said, I I just I love this movie. I wasn't expecting such an outstanding movie coming in, and I am so glad I watched this movie. This is one of the best movies I think that's come out in a long time. And God, it's just um, impressive and amazing from the start, and it, it never lets you down. Yeah, and it is hard to say about movies. Honestly, I never. It's it's been a while since I've just watched a movie that I didn't have a problem with, and especially one that could tell such an amazing story in such a short amount of time. I. I'm excited to see what the directors do after this, which they might have done something after this that I'm not aware of. But um, I'll say there is a blind spotting sequel television show being produced right now that will not have David Diggs's character Colin in it. Um, it'll be based around Miles and his family, which I'm not sure what that know. means. It's still very early production, so we'll see what ends up happening with that project. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. That seems kind of an odd choice to me, but yeah, um, yeah, it's just like I think a lot of young people around our age, I should say, will probably get like a lot of nostalgic feelings about this. I'm not saying like older people didn't have these kinds of childhoods, but I think with like the the mixing pot essentially that a lot of people got after like the 90s, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more realistic to assume people have a similar childhood and it i think it uses that to its advantage so well it gets you by using that and then draws you into such an emotional story yeah and i i think everyone should see this movie i like i know not everyone's gonna get as much out of this movie and there are probably gonna be people who hate this movie but i think everyone should see this movie i i have no issues with it i think i'd give it a 10 okay uh robbie that's actually a thing too i've been thinking a lot of like ways to try to nitpick this movie and i cannot think of a single solitary thing like everything that's in this movie has its place and it feels like it needs to be in this movie uh one scene that we actually haven't talked about that i felt was actually one of the more powerful scenes in this entire movie was uh his last day in the halfway house and his last run in the morning before he goes to work and He's running through that cemetery and he stops and he just sees a person in front of every single tombstone representing someone who's 
been killed or shot by police and including the man that he saw gunned down and realizing that not only could that are that not only could that have been him that still could be him one of these days yeah and things and like it was a very powerful emotional moment for that movie too um all in all like i said it's very good movie it feels very realistically funny but very realistically sad in the same way too like it feels like you're watching the lives of real people more so than you're watching a movie happen and you can tell a lot of care and a lot of love was put into this movie and you are right or he's right like there probably are a lot of people who wouldn't like this movie because they wouldn't like the message or like well i don't fully agree with that but it is the reality of the situation of not only just oakland but probably just even the country we live in yeah and very powerful movie i really did enjoy this too and i cannot think of like a bad thing to say about this movie even like slight nitpick wise like everything is very very well done i'd also say this is a 10 for me okay i'll let dion have the last word on this one so i'll go here real quick i i like i said i absolutely love this movie i like that it's not afraid to talk about these heavy heavy issues in a very realistic manner in a way that people actually talk about things and present it in a way that is somewhat palatable for people who don't want to have that conversation and be able to present it. And you could show this to people. And I think that this is a weird thing to say. I think this is something that could be shown in schools to present these issues to people who aren't aware of them or who aren't raised in places to where they were relevant issues to them. I do genuinely think that this, this movie could show a lot of people what so many people in this country are dealing with. Yeah. Because it's it's always just that thing on the news. It's always another story of another man gunned down or another man murdered or or just neighborhoods changing or the, like this violence and there's never a the background of what's really happening. There's never what is actually going on in people's lives. It's never presented as people, presented as events. And these 26 years like in this movie it's 26 years how old the man was that was shot in this movie is is a 30 second news snippet on nightly news before they talk about the dog that rescued a kid from the lake. Like it's, that's what their life gets boiled down to for so many people. And it's just such bullshit. I think this movie can present these ideas to people and show them what it really means. Like how, how important one person's life really can be and the impact that a person's life can really make. And it, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incredible movie. Um, I'd give it a 10. Honestly, it's, even the tiny flaws of like production wise that I would have with it, I just I don't see them as an issue. Everything just blends and works so perfectly in this movie. Dion. This movie I agree with E that everyone should watch it, honestly. It's amazing. It's a great movie. Um I haven't watched a movie in so long that I didn't have some part that I nitpicked or some part that made me laugh that wasn't supposed to make me laugh. Like something stupid that I thought was dumb or funny, you know? Yeah. Everything in this movie felt rightfully purposeful. It was done so well. The tone of the movie hit every time, exactly the tone it wanted to hit. And it just, for me personally, it just, uh, it was so close to home. You know, I have, like, all my friends basically are colored in some way. Like, I have one friend that's white, basically. Out of my ten friends in my very, very close friend group. Like, you know, I'm talking like we grew up together, basically. Um, 
And just to think about if they were taken away from me at 26, which is like how old we are now. It's unimaginable. So, I mean, this movie really just hit me. It hit me real uh, close to home. And I don't think I've uh, really, like, loved a movie as much as this in a long time. Um, I think that it's a great lesson for everyone to watch. No matter, you know, if you don't understand what uh, people go through, you know, growing up like that or in the streets or anything. And if you don't understand what it's like to be a colored person, I think you really should watch this because I think it can shed light on that. And I think it's, uh, can shed light on that in a palatable way that, uh, can help you grow maybe. So, uh, I mean, I got to give it a 10, 10 out of 10. I'd probably give it an 11 if the scale went that high. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a great movie, man. I haven't been touched uh, like this in a while, so. E. (laughs) Uh, If people want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? We have a link tree that will give you links to all of the important stuff that we have, whether it be where you can listen to us, where you can follow us on social media, and the latter. That's the only two things I listed, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> and our personal ladders that we use. <laughs> also, uh, the no, no, train no, to your list ladder. coming soon. Yeah, train to your <laughs> list. Train to your <laughs> list. Dude. That's when we hit uh, $4 on our Patreon. Uh. <laughs> Full train to your list. We're starting with train to Busan. <laughs> That'd be so fun to do a tier list. Ending with train trains, trains, and more trains. <laughs> every train movie we can find. <laughs> but... Uh yeah, we have the link tree that is l i n k t r dot e e slash l o i p. You can get everything. You can contact us on Twitter. You can contact us on Instagram. Uh, we have an email that you can directly send us an email at. <laughs> you know how emails work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That will be the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your favorite alcohol. <laughs> That's all I can think of right now. Sure. Send us your Bay Malibu or whatever. What was it called? I will sample the alcohol on the show. Yep. For you. Uh, what was, it was Bay... Bay Goose. Bay, Bay Goose. Goose. Oh, yeah. Send us Bay Goose. <laughs> if it's real. I doubt it. it. <laughs> Through our email, send us to the Bay Goose. Yeah, email us your favorite Bay Goose. <laughs> um, I think Liz will be happy about the scores on this. She absolutely adores to be Dig for clear reasons. Yeah, He's a he huge is. talent. God, yeah. Um, I think she's going to be happy that this scored so high. But Robbie, take us out of here. So, if you can, get yourself scheduled uh, to get a vaccine. It is important. And while you're out and about, make sure to stay six feet apart. Make sure to wear a mask. Make sure to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. And if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time that you've listened to us or even if this is the very beginning, thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, E. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, D. This was a, a heavy episode. It was. But uh, I'm glad you guys were here for it. Yeah, it was, it was important. Great. Yes. Yes. And I think even though the conversation has probably died down a little bit online, I still think it's clear to say that Black Lives Matter.
thing that goes without always saying. Yeah. And, yeah, as they will always. Yeah. Everybody out there, be safe. Have a great week. We will talk to you again next week. Uh, bye. Bye. Later. <laughs> See you.